Amen. If you have um, your Bibles, you'll go with me to 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, verse 9 through 14, and then Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 18. Now, there'll be many other scriptures that I will reference um, as I go forward, but these are the core scriptures. That's 2 Kings 5, 9 through 14. Amen. And I'll start there, and then we'll read Romans 8 and 18. Okay? 2 Kings 5 and 9, it says, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. Naaman was angry and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And verse 12 says, Are not Abana and Fapar, rivers of Damascus, Better than all the waters of Israel, may I not go wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. Romans 8, 18 says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That is the word of the Lord. And so the message tonight you know, um, uh, it's, it's a very humbling message, and there's nothing that I can't preach. I, what Jonathan told you, I'm not perfect. I don't, I don't claim to be. There was one who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. Um, and when you look at me, you see the grace of God. Uh, when you look at me, you see the mercy of God, um, and you see a believer. Uh, and so there's nothing that I can preach to you that I have not lived myself. Amen. I don't preach anything that I have not lived or that I'm not currently living. Amen. I refuse. Amen. So um, I want to let you know that what I'm preaching to you tonight is not only my testimony, but it is also a part of my current testimony. But the message that God gave me is, is that it might get a little messy, but God has a plan. It might get a little messy, but God has a plan. The Bible says that Naaman went away angry and he said, look, I thought for sure he would come out and invoke the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the area and cure the skin disease. He said, aren't there cleaner rivers? Isn't there a better way that you can get this done, God? Must I go the hard way? Must I go down the bumpy path? Must I always have to come from last place to finish second? It seems like you can see the wheels of Naaman turning. But much like Naaman, don't we feel the same way? Don't we wonder sometimes, why me? Why this path again, again? After I've come through one trial, another one? And it is much of us, we think that life should go chronologically. We think that we will go and we'll get this and then the next step and then it'll just all 
line up. But how many of you all have lived long enough to, to find out that life don't work like that? It just doesn't proceed the way that we think. In life, we have ideas and thoughts on how things should work. We think we're taught from a child up. A, B, C, one, two, three. Amen. But as we get older, we find out that sometimes one plus one doesn't equal two. Um, can I give you a little math with God? Amen. One plus one with God really doesn't equal two because um, everywhere I go, you see me, but there's two with me. So it might just be you, but God is always with you. So you have to realize that the things of the world do, do not apply to the things of the kingdom. We have to change the way that we look at things. Nowadays, I would argue that uh, social media, we face Facebook, Twitter, and all of these sites, and we compare ourselves to the perception that we have of others. Uh, we see things and we draw together conclusions. Our minds are so strong that you can just see a part of a thing and then you will draw this conclusion. You see all of your friends' lives and you, you see the new promotion or the picture that they post and then you go away thinking, woe is me. My life is messed up. My life is messy and their life is so great. But I want to let you know that you only see in part. There's more than what you realize. And, and in the middle of us comparing ourselves to other people's lives, what we will miss is that God is always working on your behalf. Amen. He's always fixing things. And, and the times that I'm watching Jonathan's life is the same time that I'm taking my eyes off of what God has in store for me. Your blessing is uniquely designed with you in mind. God has set up a plan for your life. And, 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 and I know that sometimes it gets messy, but you have to believe that God has a plan. Galatians 6 and 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. God, now there's a, there's a phrase, and I don't know about here at Evangel, but there's a phrase that I grew up hearing all the time. And, you know, you hear these phrases so much that you think it's scripture. There's a phrase that people say is that God works in mysterious ways. Well, I got old enough to search and find out that that's not really in the Bible, but there is some truth to that phrase. God works in unorthodox ways. You have to trust him where you can't trace him. There are many times where uh, we have our calculators out and we're thinking that this is how it should be. By age such and such, I will have this and that. But what we don't realize is that God has ordained for you to go through some things so he can develop some things inside of you. Can I give you a revelation that God gave me? All right, listen to this. The G-O-A-L, that word is what? Goal. Everybody say goal. G-O-A-L. But we live in a world with the Olympics and sports and you got the World Cup growing on. And in our world, the goal is G-O-L-D, gold. But with God, the G-O-A-L is our S-O-U-L. His goal is our soul. 
Everything else is vanity to God. So he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So if it's really a new car or a job or a promotion, that's nothing to God. What God wants to do is he wants to create in you a clean heart and renew the right spirit within you. God wants to build up authority in you so that you can go into an environment and speak and change the lives of others. God is trying to create in you so that you can change that neighbor who keeps getting on your nerves. God is trying to birth something in you so that person at school who always has a mean look, God wants you to be the person who goes and touches them and say, you know what? I love you. But that does not come about without a few hard days. So yes, it might get messy, but God has a plan. The thing is, we don't get to really choose our path. Don't you wish that you could go into a store and say, you know what? I think I want this path. I think I want this to happen for me. I think I need this and I want that. But uh, I, I hate to break it to you, especially to the younger people who might not have gotten there yet. But, but it just doesn't work that way. I wish I could preach a message to you and tell you that there be no more failures. There'll be no more cried, uh, tear-filled pillows. But, but, but the Bible tells us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It might not look good. It might not smell good. And I love fried chicken. I could smell fried chicken from about a block away. Somebody's cooking something. But the thing about trouble is sometimes it doesn't smell good. But the thing is, see, I used to hate rutabagas. I'm a big guy, so I talk about food. References food works really does. I used to hate rutabagas. I hated broccoli. But now I've gotten old enough to appreciate the things that I once despised. Because I realized it might not look good, it might not smell good, but it is for my good. It took aging and some hardships to get to that point. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 and 29 says, but God, and this is so good, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised have God chosen, yes, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that there's a point in every story where it looks like a mess. You know, when I was growing up, I used to couldn't stand to see the person in the movie get beat up. I was so timid hearted. You know, I was a tough on the outside, but I was really soft on the inside. And I would change the movie when the hero or the heroine was getting beat up because it would just do something to me. I just couldn't stand to watch all of that. I would just change the channel. And many movies growing up, I would miss the full story because I would change the story because I just couldn't stand to see them go through the hardship. But then I grew out of that and I realized one day if I keep watching the movie, the story doesn't end in the mess. 
See, every story at some point, it looks like a mess. I mean, it looks bad. But see, another revelation that God gave me is, is that the opposite of faith is sight. Many people think that the opposite of faith is doubt. But the opposite of faith is sight. Because doubts come by what you see. So the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it's what you see. And if we're honest, many times we faint because what we see is not what we heard. What we see is not what we believe. What we see is not what we're standing in faith and what we're trusting God for. But God sent me here, and as I was praying on the way over here, rushing from our church and a meeting, what God just kept telling me was to encourage evangel is that you can't lose faith now. Amen. You've come too far. You've seen too many hardships. You've fought too many battles. You've taken too many lumps to give up now. God is not through with you yet. Yes, it might be a mess. The family might be crumbling. The children might be doing this and your job and all that you know looks like it's falling apart. But I just want to let you know it might look a mess, but God has a plan. God will never leave you and nor will he forsake you. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So no matter what I see, I continue to confess what I believe. I might be going through hardship, but I tell myself that weeping may endure for a night, but I know that joy is coming. I tell myself to endure hardness as a good soldier. I tell myself these things, that, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and the call according to his purpose. I preach to myself harder than I preach to you all. I tell myself all the time that, that you will make it, that God didn't bring you this far to leave you. I always encourage myself, Jason, don't go by sight. Don't lose faith in the middle, I say God has a plan. What God does is God hides blessings in plain sight. God hides strength in hardship. He hides joy in the mundane. He hides peace in the middle of a storm. Now, if you all grew up in this area of town like I did, I grew up in Farsdale. They call this uh, quote unquote tornado alley. The April 27th tornado tore down my neighborhood. The street that I grow on no longer exists. The house that I grew up on is now an empty lot. My mom was in the house in the living room and she hid under a old, you know, those old, you know, those old ugly floral sofas. <laughs> you know, she hid under a cushion from a sofa. Do you think that a sofa cushion could stop the tornado from April 27th. It looks a mess, but in the middle of the tornado, God was there showing who was really in charge. In the middle of the tornado, my father was driving his car. And he was in the eye of the storm. If you go back and you watch the footage, you will see his car in the middle of the street. And he was in the middle of the storm by the library in, in Pratt City. 
What God showed me was in the middle of a storm, there's peace in the middle. In the middle of the storm, God will keep you. Yes, it might be rough now, right now, but he is the Prince of Peace. It might look a mess, but you have to trust that he has a plan. You can't give up now. You know why you can't give up? Because somebody's waiting on you to come out. Somebody's waiting on you to get your miracle. Somebody's waiting on your testimony. And the Bible tells us that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. You can't give up. You can't throw in the towel. You've been through too much. Too many sicknesses that God has brought you over. Too many trials that he's delivered you out of. You've got to tell yourself that I will make it. I might not feel good, but I'm trusting God. God hides blessings in the middle of the mundane. He hides things so that nobody else will see them. But that's why the saints of God go through. We don't give up. We don't throw in the towel. We hang in there. We encourage one another. We tell you, you're going to be all right. We pray for one another. God will put you on my heart in the middle of the night, and I'll pray for you that God is going to bring you out. It's not over. Can somebody believe with me that God has victory for you? God has victory for you. See, there is a concoction, there's a recipe that only God truly knows that will produce miracles. So in the middle of your storm, one of the biggest things that you can do is choose your friends wisely. Yes, Naaman was upset. Naaman came in with his Bentley with spinners, if you read the beginning. The Bible says that Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. I can imagine him coming with his entourage saying, here I come, give me my blessing. And when the man of God told him to go and wash in the Jordan River, which was the dirtiest, the filthiest river, let's just say, um, let's just call the Jordan Village Creek. And he told him to go dump down in Village Creek seven times. And he was like, don't you see my Bentley? Don't you see my Mercedes? Don't you see this suit on wearing and you want me to go get in the middle of Village Creek and the Bible says that he went away angry I want to let you know that it might look crazy it might sound odd but God truly has a plan Yes, people might leave you you might be talked about I'm gonna tell, can I give you all a little bit of my story and I'm closing here one of my greatest blessings Jonathan is I thank God for growing up the fat kid it's okay to laugh. I'm over it now. <laughs> and this came to me recently. Because by me growing up the fat kid, I'm used to being by myself. If nobody pats me on my back, it doesn't bother me. It has made me have endurance. I don't need a fan club. I don't need people clapping when I come in the room. I'm standing on God. It didn't feel good when I was a child being laughed at and talked about, but it birthed something in me that when nobody says yes and nobody says you're doing a good job, I have learned how to encourage myself in the Lord. When nobody applauds me, when nobody says, Jason, I appreciate you, it doesn't stop me because all of the hardship that I went through. God had a plan for my life. 
because he knew there would be a day when I might have to preach a message sometimes that even my own self didn't want to hear it. But God says, preach it because I put it inside of you. So in today's time, when social media says, hey, you know, it's only how many likes you get. How many people are your friends? How many people retweet? How many people share? How many people heart what you do? I want to tell our young people that don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise when others don't applaud you. God is with you. Because there will come a day as an adult when you will feel like the whole world is against you. But inside there will be a still, small voice saying, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'll be with you always to the end of the world. So yes, Naaman had to eat some humble pie. And his friend, this is why it's very important to have good friends. His servant came near and spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had asked you to do something great, would thou not have done it? How much rather then would he say to thee, wash and be clean? A good friend is like a mirror. They'll tell you sometimes, you know what? You need to rethink what you're doing. That doesn't sound wise. And the Bible lets me know that Naaman's heart was right. The Bible, doesn't, he doesn't give the friend any flat. It says the next verse, then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Maybe the storm you're in was set up to deliver your blessing. Maybe the hardship you're in is really the fulfillment of what God has on your life. As I was leaving work today, I was praying and preparing myself for coming tonight. And I said, God, if I'm not to preach, then there's really no use for me being here. This is my purpose. I love and I appreciate Alabama power. But the word of God is the reason why I live. Because God has set me here to encourage people to hang on in there, to believe on Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. God sent me here to tell you from somebody who was an ex. Yes, I was an ex drug addict. Yes, I was an ex-drug dealer. Yes, I was an ex-abuser. Yes, I was an ex-liar. Yes, I was an ex-womanizer. Yes, I was all of those exes. But in the middle of my mess, God says, I have need for you. Your brokenness, your doubt, your depression, your, your lack of confidence in yourself, your low self-esteem. God says, I'm choosing you and I'm like God why me because God said just like in the scripture he says that I choose the abased things to confuse the wise because when you do it you won't take the credit for it it's not because of my great looks 
It's not because of all of my money, but it's because God is with me. Yes. Yes. So the question is, are you really ready to receive your miracle? Are you really ready to turn back and say, God, I will not complain again about the village creek. I will not complain again about the mess. But Lord, in the middle of my mess, I will lift my hands and give you praise. In the middle of my darkest day, God, I'll say thank you for never leaving me. I'll thank you for your many blessings towards me. I might not have everything that I want. I might not have everything that I think that I need, but God, I thank you for what you've given me. God, I will glorify you. I will lift up, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I will bless the Lord at all times when it's going good and when it's not going good I will bless the Lord at all times when I have friends and when I don't have friends I will bless the Lord at all times my praise is intentional I've been through too much to close my mouth God has been too good to me for me to take down now before I take it back I'll add more to it my question is are you ready to receive your miracle if I look bad, it might look bad, but I want you to say, God, I trust you. You may be embarrassed, but you should say, Lord, I believe. You may be uncomfortable, but I want you to say, God, I trust you. This is what the word of God says. He says to appoint unto them in Isaiah 61 and 3 that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Can I tell you the truth? You're in the right place for a miracle. You're in the right place for God to get the glory out of your life. Yes, you fumbled and sometimes we made mistakes and things haven't gone the way we wanted them to go. But I want to let you know God. God was just setting you up so that he can get the glory out of your life. In the middle of what you're going through, I want you to say, I will bless the Lord. Lift up your voice and say, I will bless the Lord. I will give him glory. It might not feel good, but I trust his plan. When your life doesn't make sense, just know that God has a plan. As I finish, I want to let you know that Joseph went from being forsaken by his family Joseph went from a pit to a prison to the palace. Yes, it was a mess, but God had a plan. David was anointed, then he became a fugitive before he was appointed. Yes, it was a mess, but God had a plan. Job lost everything he had. Yes, sometimes it feels like the world is stealing everything we have. Yes, drug addiction is against our family members, and sometimes we suffer with things in secret. But I want to let you know that you can come boldly, before the throne of God and he will deliver you. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 it might be hard, but God is setting you up. If you just have the faith to say, God, I trust you. I trust you when it doesn't feel good. I trust you when it doesn't look good. I trust you in the middle of my mess. Yes, God, I trust you. Yes, Job lost everything, but in the end, he received double. double. Jesus was beaten, marred, crucified, but in the end, he brought eternal life. Listen to these words. The end will be for your good and God's glory. No matter what it looks like, glory is coming in your life. As I close, I don't know what you're going through, but I've told you I'm sure about what God sent me here to to preach. God told me and he continued to tell me as I was coming over here that to encourage evangel, don't lose hope in the middle. Don't lose faith in the middle. Don't give up now. You're too close to your journey's end. You've been through too much and that his promise is still good. I know sometimes it gets dark and we give up on the promise because it seems like everything I see is opposite to what I believe. But the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. Even when I can't see it, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. 